What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And in this episode, I have the honor of having an incredible person on the podcast, my wife, Lindsay. Now, in this episode, we laugh, we cry, we grieve, we strategize, we hope, we dream. Because the backdrop of this episode is the murder of George Floyd. And it doesn't fall remiss on me that I am a black man in America that faces the same level of fear and terror at the hands of police. And we talk about that. We talk about the role race has played in our relationship. We talk about why it means so much and how we choose to navigate it together, especially being an interracial couple. She's white, I'm black, and if you didn't know, that means a whole lot in America. But we choose to do this thing together, and we choose to navigate this thing together, and we choose to fight for George together. This episode's for you, George. Rest in peace. All right, y'all, here's Lens. In the beginning of this year, could you have imagined that it was gonna pan out as it has? No. Not at all. Why not? <laughs> that size says it all. Oh. Babe, 2020, 2020 is a wash. You hear that, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> so today we went to our first protest our first protest experience. Together. Together. I've never been to a protest before. Yeah, I haven't either. Oh. All right. Well, it was our first protest, and we were together. So, I guess it's... <laughs> our first protest was together. <laughs> 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 We've talked about going to protests before, but um, we just never, never have. Yeah, that's true. We have also both been in school, so... Or one of us has been in school, so... That's true. Oh, nice little plug there. You just finished your grad program a couple weeks ago. Okay. All right. What is your master's again? The whole title, please. I have a master's of education in educational policy, organization, and leadership oh. with an emphasis on diversity and equity in education. How many breaths do you have to take to finish that? Uh, just one. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But back to the protests. Um, the protests were about George Floyd, who was murdered um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is your home town. What does that feel like for you? Hmm. To be honest, I am not shocked because Minnesota is a very white place to live. Uh, Minneapolis is really diverse, but... I think when like something happens in your hometown, it's it just hits obviously it hits home more. Um, I guess I just think about the number of times that I've taken you home with me, and just the reality of police brutality in this nation. But like you you coming with me from California to a very white area. Is um, it's just I don't even know I don't even have words 
because I also don't want to cry <laughs> in this episode. It's, a, it's okay to cry. Um, yeah, I just think about the number of times that you've come home with me. And, you know, we haven't really been in Minneapolis that much, but the airport is near there. You know, I, I like, I get anxious, or I, I got anxious bringing you there. But I think seeing what's happening in Minneapolis right now and all the protests and um, just the the awareness that this, the death of George Floyd has caused for people is just, it's crazy that it originated in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Thinking going back to Minnesota, as many, many times that I've been there at this point, like I would always be anxious um, anytime we went to Minnesota, Michigan, we were driving through Wisconsin, the parts that we drove through and the parts that we were at, like there was like three black people oh. in a, like a 15 mile radius. Yeah. Um, and that's not an exaggeration. So I was always like nervous and anxious to see like somebody murdered in a place that, you know, I've been to so many times. Mm-hmm. Like the response is what's really getting me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we've talked about before, I don't know why it's so different this time. Collectively, we've been talking about this for years now and trying to get people on board and kind of having people be aware. But like these, the month of May hit different Mm -hmm. um, for folks. And it could be COVID. It could be like a combination of of things, but people were just like fed up. Yeah. Um, And the response uh, has been encouraging. Like it, 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 that's, it's encouraging. I don't know if what's going to happen of it. Um, We'll see come November. Hashtag vote, but um, Please. yeah, I I am I'm realistic in that you know things are happening. I don't know if this is the actual gonna evoke change that we need. Yeah, absolutely. When we first started started dating, I'll I'll never forget um, the summer. I think it was the summer, summer or fall of twenty sixteen. We had been involved in church, and um, we went to church on a Sunday, and it was um, the Sunday after Alton Sterling, and it might have been Philando Castile also murdered in Minnesota, Um, but there was two back-to-back murders of black men Mm -hmm. at the hands of police. And we went to church, and nothing was mentioned. And I just remember sitting next to you in church and just being so angry that the church didn't say anything. Um, And actually that Sunday, some missionary had talked about her ministry in Uganda. Some white woman. Yes, some white woman (laughs) talked about her ministry in Uganda helping black kids in Uganda, but nothing was mentioned about police brutality and the killing, killings of black men in America from our church. And I think for me, that was, I'll never forget that day, um, but that was a like turning point for me, I think. And mm. granted, I had, I had been aware before we started dating of um, police brutality and and my own privilege as a white woman. So I feel like for me, I had started this journey before you mm-hmm. of understanding 
what it means for me to be white. Yeah. And what it means for um, our systems in place to operate under whiteness. But I'll never forget that day in church. And I think from then on, I just, I really pushed for the church to have these conversations and to, to have these conversations in the life group that we led and um, with our friends. And here we are four or five years later and there are so many protests and riots and um we're gonna call them rebellions we're not gonna call them riots okay rebellions yeah you want to explain that well the reason why i say rebellions is because riots is without purpose it's it's not driven by anything Mm -hmm. rebellions is is bucking against a system that yeah people yeah that people find oppressive and our current judicial system is not built for anybody but white people. Yeah. Um, and even to expand it, like it disadvantages anybody that's poor and anybody that's not white. So these are rebellions in the sense that they are pushing against systems that have been in place and structures that have been in place for years. Yeah. Um, that were been that were put in place to police and monitor and remind black people of their place in society and or, you know. Well, for white people to show superiority and for black people to fear and feel inferior to white people. Thanks for white explaining that. Welcome to our marriage. <laughs> All right, y'all, jumping in here to explain what white explaining is. So white explaining is when you... When a white person takes over the conversation from a person of color or re-explains something that a person of color has already explained as I'm doing right now. Thank you, Lindsay. What have you learned about yourself since we've been together? Been together for five years. We've been married for three. What have I learned about myself? I've learned a lot of things. But the first thing first things that come to mind are humility and love Mm -hmm. and I think across the board a lot of people who are married might tell you that they learn that in a marriage but I think for me it it goes a step further obviously because we're not obviously but because we're an interracial couple um it requires more of me to give of myself than if I was married to a white man. Mm. And what I mean by that is I have to have the humility to be corrected as a white woman to to enter into black culture recognizing that recognizing that My whole life, I've been in white spaces. I grew up in a very white neighborhood. I went to a very white school. Um, I went to a very white college. And um, we live in white Orange County. And so for my entire life, I've never lived anywhere for a long period of time where I was the minority. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be 
I've learned to be aware of our surroundings and where we go. And one of my favorite places is Laguna Beach. I recognize that it's very white. I love to go there and I, I love for you to come with me. But I also, over the years, have recognized like it's not a comfortable place for you to be. And I've learned I have to give up things that I have enjoyed because of my privilege. And I have to really ask myself, and I had to ask myself when we were dating, like, do I want to do this? I continually have to, I'm, I'm continually confronted with, you know, um, different things, whether it's like a career or um, a place to go for a date. And I have to remember like, okay, we, we can't always be in a white space. Um, because I know, I know how that feels for you. I think this is what I would say. I think for me, I, um, have learned communication is really important. Um, I have learned emotions are not bad. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, those two for sure. Communication in the sense of like, I need to communicate some of those things to you. Like, you are the, first of all, first white woman I've dated, slash, we're married now. So like, this is like, all of this has been a, a, like a learning experience this whole time. I was always like scared to date like a white woman. So like, I, when I, even when we got together, when I met your parents, like I was expecting like, you know, all kinds of stuff. Hmm. So I, I think for me, I um, have slowly but surely been able to communicate like those feelings that I've had um, and share them with you because you're not aware of them like you don't know like I feel uncomfortable when we go to like uber white places and I'm literally the only black person let alone person of color that's not serving food or doing like any kind of like service job or something like that that's actually like working at the place that we're going yeah and like I recognize that I'm just like man I like feel bad you know what I'm saying so for me, I really have to communicate that. And like, there's some really dope places that like I can share with you and I just have to be willing to share and open up. And I feel like that's another thing. I feel like I've been a good portion of our time together. I was like really closed off because I, I just wasn't sure. Like I wasn't sure mm. if you were gonna like it. I wasn't sure what you were gonna say about it. I wasn't sure if it was gonna be enough. And like, it was just really scary to try and like open up that way. Cause I, I just didn't know how to do it, how to communicate it. So I think specifically in the last couple years, the conversations that we've had, um, this has been like a sticking point for us of navigating the internal workings for our, our relationship. But at these last two years, I have learned to communicate like what's going on, why I'm feeling this way, what's happening, which leads me to like the why like acknowledging and feeling my emotions has been so important. Because, you know, like, I think even, for example, like when I'm scared or anxious, you know, like when I'm in like white spaces, like really, really white spaces, 
my coping mechanism or my defense mechanism in those moments are to perform. So I'm going to perform mm -hmm. and I'm going to show that like, you know, I belong here. Just communicating all that um, and feeling what I'm feeling. I'm not crazy when I'm feeling those things um, mm -hmm. and acknowledging those feelings and just speaking up and sharing them with you and letting you know, A, for this date, I want to go to Long Beach or um, for this date, I want to go to Santa Ana or, you know, somewhere else where you're the only and I'm not the only, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about um, you not wanting to be, or you wanting to bring me to places where um, you're not the only and I am. We walked into the restaurant and I was the only white person, which I've, I've been to several different countries where I am the only white person for miles, but this, this one, this was different. We walked in, we sat down, and you know, we're just eating with your mom, and a group of older black women walked in, and I could feel the stares from the moment they walked in the door. And I'm sitting next to you, and we're sitting across from your mom. They sit in the booth right behind us, or right behind your mom, and I'll never forget your mom saying, Hi ladies, how's how's it going? Or, I forget what she said, but just like basically saying like there's nothing to see here. Like you don't need to like keep staring at my son and mostly me, my my future daughter-in-law. Anyways, your mom went to bat for me, <laughs> but um, that was like that was really uncomfortable for me and something that I had to like really sit with and process after that. Well, the thing is, it's funny that you say that because it's like, you can name one instance. Totally. Absolutely. And I can name several hundred yeah. instances where like that has happened. The, it's like almost, almost reverse. Like it is, it really does feel like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, right. that's the feeling I get. Like yeah. this like shock and just surprise and just. You know, like, it's not a disgust, but it's, like, a curiosity. Like, what like what did she get herself into that she ended up with him? And I'm just, like, I, I could feel all of that. Like, and I don't even feel like that's a, like, that's a maybe or a possibly. I can see it on the people's face. Like, that's what they're, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that before. Yeah. And I feel like that's why communication has been so important and I think has been like a key driver in our relationship because like, I don't think, okay, we had a conversation probably, I don't know, eight months ago, a year ago at this point. A year ago. And I, I shared that I'm always uncomfortable. Like it doesn't matter where we are. At the time I was, um, you know, working in a really white company, mm -hmm. our friend group, I'm the only black person. I don't have a lot of black friends in Orange County. I come home, what we watch, like the only thing I really like had was like music, but what we watch, everywhere we go on dates, where we live, everything was white. And so like, I'm going to work, I'm in my, we're in our friend group and I'm at home and I'm never able to take this mask off, this pretend person that I am and I can't yeah. relax, I can't chill. 
And to be honest, it was like killing me. It was like exhausting. I was just so tired. Yeah. And I remember finally telling you that and you just like had no idea. And like that just like threw me for a loop. Like you had no clue that I could possibly have felt that at all. Part of me is still frustrated that you didn't see that. Um, but like, I think, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I think communication has been like one of those, those key drivers to like help us in all of this, trying to navigate this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated at myself for not seeing that. I saw it because I was aware of the stairs and, you know, the fact that you were the only, the only person of color or the only black person in a room or at a restaurant or wherever. But I don't think I understood how it affected you emotionally day in and day out. Mm. I saw it and I was like surface level aware, but I didn't realize like, gosh, this is like exhausting. And, and frustrating and really it's like traumatic like you're you're experiencing trauma wherever you go as a black man and I think that's that's what I didn't understand so when we had this conversation last year you had asked me like when are you going to enter into black culture something to that effect and you said are you gonna wait till we have kids I sat on that for a long time um, because you have been so intentional about getting to know my family and entering into my world and you also have assimilated to white culture for so long so not that that was easy for you but you knew how to navigate it and I failed to see that I wasn't doing the same for you. That's really hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I own that. And um, we're here a year later. And I feel like I've done a lot of internal work for myself. Of one, educating myself. But two, like being intentional about spending time with your family. Um, about getting to know them deeper about you know what kind of shows we're watching who's on who's on tv what what are the movies we're watching um different people that i follow now on instagram and we're currently in a pandemic so we can't really go on dates anywhere but um recognizing like we we cannot live in orange county anymore and i think i have recently like in the last year since we had that conversation recognized that you've been ready to get out of orange county for a long time for years since we've actually started being together actually (laughs) um but just just being aware of you know being intentional to embrace your culture and i think that's not something that a lot of people will share in interracial couples like we were ready for the overt racism Mm -hmm. and we were 
I mean, I was all in. Like, I was all in in being with you and marrying you. Like, I loved you. I love you. Um, but I don't think we were ready to uncover all of the um, internal workings of being in an interracial marriage day in and day out. Well, I thought that was going to be the easy part. <laughs> like, honestly, I thought it was going to be the easy part. So when you talk about humility, like, like I was doing that. I was, like, ready to, I was, like, ready to do that. I'm, like, my, my wife, she's my partner. She's going to just, like, all right, Jonathan's black. You know, I'm white. I got to learn my stuff. Like, that was, like, my mindset. I thought you were just going to do that. And I didn't know I had to, to let you know that, like, yeah. that part is missing out of my life. Yeah. Like, I just feel like that's. And, like, not to go back to that, because I know that, you know, you've definitely grown, and you've definitely put in a ton of effort this past year. But I feel like that's the part that hurt. That, like, my wife did not understand that I was, like, dying emotionally. Yeah. I had to, like, lift this gigantic weight and explain that to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the part that was so hurtful. Aside from the fact that you're, like, brilliant, one, like, really smart. But the fact that you not only are passionate about diversity, equity, inclusive work, like, that's literally your job, that's the part that, like, really was just exhausting, hurtful, angering. Like, I was just so pissed that, like, how, why do I need to communicate that and then teach you this? Like, it's not my, that's not my job. Like, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah. And I thought you were just going to get it. Obviously, you didn't. But I was going to say something else before I say that, but it's gone. But anyways, yeah, that's, yeah, I was like, that was, that was a tough one. That was just like a really tough one um, yeah. when we first started having this conversation. And I think as a white woman, it goes to show that, like, I always have more to learn mm -hmm. in regards to diversity, equity, and inclusion in this work and it doesn't that doesn't excuse my behavior or lack of behavior mm -hmm. but it shows me like there's always more to learn like I have I will never arrive in this conversation and I as a white woman will always have blind spots mm -hmm. because I grew up in a white world where Everything is catered towards me as a white woman. Everything benefits me as a white woman. And, um, you know, education, navigating the school system was easy for me as a white woman. Um, and so to recognize the level of, of humility that I need to take in our relationship mm. and also my relationship with some of my other friends, um, I, I really need to be aware of how I'm creating space for someone who doesn't look like me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for me, it was my own. I had seen and I had been passionate and I have been passionate about um, diversity and equity work for a long time now. Um, but again, there was a blind spot that I didn't see and mm. that was frustrating to you um especially because i talked about this all the time and it's it's frustrating to me 
you know, when I, I think back and, and look on that, but I also, um, I'm also so thankful for, because you could have just, you, you know, we, we were married for a year and a half at that point when we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. We had been together for, what, like four years? Yeah. You could have just thrown in the towel and been like, this is not going to work. Well, we talked about that. Like, I did say that. Yeah. Um, I, you, you did. I said, Absolutely. like, if this is not, if you can't get on board with this, then it's actually not even good for us to be together. Yeah. Absolutely. And you agree with me. It's not like I just said that. No. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, if you can't get on board with that, like, there really is no point. Yes. Because, like, why are we going to continue to go about this? Yeah. I'm unhappy. You are eventually going to be unhappy because me being unhappy, I'm just going to go out and do what I want. Yep. Because I'm not just going to keep living unhappy. Right. No, we we definitely talked about it. Yeah. I think and it's a fair it's a fair question like Yeah. But I think that's really when I I learned like loving somebody looks like bringing embracing their full self. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't yet embraced your full self even though we had been together for um, 4 years at that point. Yeah, that was that was a wake up call for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it wasn't because I loved you any less. It's just like what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> like what like what are we doing? Like I'm not really being me at home. So how do you know that like this will even work when I'm actually myself? You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about like the external things versus the internal things. Like the internal things I thought were gonna be easy. The external things were going to be that I, that I didn't, that I thought were going to be harder was like, you know, when we went on that date in Laguna Beach, somebody called me a nigger. Yeah. And I think that was like, all right, you know, not the first time somebody called me the N word, you know what I'm saying? Like, personally, I haven't been called the N word with ER, the ER, the hard er, um, less than a handful of times in my life. But um, there have been a couple times where, like, people have said things about us when we're together. I'm like, yeah, that's to be expected. Like, it's because America is racist. So I think when, yeah, I think that caught me for a loop. Like, that, like, the fact that we were not on the same page just caught me for a loop. You mentioned something, and it just uh, won't go away, so I'm going to ask you. Can you... Talk about, like, that idea of, like, comfortable, like, being comfortable. Mm. Well, as a white person, like I said, I live in a society that I can go to the grocery store and people look like me. I can look at magazines or newspapers and see people that look like me. I had teachers growing up that all looked like me. I, you know, in history class, who did we learn about in history? All the white people. And, like, a brief little thing on the Civil War and slavery. So, like, everywhere I go, this world is built for people who look like me. Our society is built for people that look like me. And so, when... A white person is taken out of what they think is normal and placed into 
an area where all of a sudden people don't look like them and they are in a space where they're the minority that is startling because that is not something that I experienced growing up um, that a lot of white people don't experience. Granted, there's white people who grow up in diverse areas. I, I hear that, but your skin color is a privilege wherever you go. What about being uncomfortable? Like, what is that? Like, describe that feeling of being uncomfortable. I don't even know, like, what emotions I would, I would say hmm. with that. Like, I can say things I experience that make me feel uncomfortable, but I, I don't even know how I would describe the, like, the feeling. Hmm. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. I mean, you're not used to it. So I feel like that, that makes sense. I think for me, what comes to mind is like, I am hyper aware. Yeah. That like, I am in a sea of white. Yeah. As my mom would say, is like, you better be on your best behavior. Um, the whole respectability pol politics kind of deal. Um, but I, I, yeah, that's, that's the feeling I get that I'm hyper aware that I'm, I'm the only black person in here. I better act my best, put on, put on a good face. I, I'm not going to show out um, because I won't be able to come back if I do, you know. So I'm hyper aware. I'm uneasy, almost like I feel cornered. I feel alone, little scared. Um, well, I should say I've gotten over that a lot, like... I make good money, yeah. we're good, I got a master's degree, my wife got a master's degree, both our cars are paid, like, I, I'm solid. So I would, now I walk into a place, I belong here, like, we, I chose to be here, like, yeah. I'm choosing this place, you're gonna serve me, you're gonna provide me right. respect, or I'm gonna talk to your motherfucking manager. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, but before, honestly, like those were the feelings that I had. It's so uncomfortable, so uneasy. Yeah. Um, but the effort to get to that place is a lot. Yeah. Like the effort to like um, realize that I belong here. I mean, therapy <laughs> has been huge for me on that. Um, mm -hmm. Gosh, like my own mantras, stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a journey to even get to a place where I'm like, no, I belong here. Yeah. So. Sorry, I cut you off. You were gonna say something. Mansplaining over here. Was that mansplaining? Manterrupting. Manterrupting. All right, you got me. Nothing. It is now. I mean, it sounds I like one. I made the thing. <laughs> no, it for sure is a thing. Uh, I see it all the time. I experience it all the time. Not not with you men at work I understood that I appreciate you clarifying <laughs> <laughs> um I I guess I wonder with the uncomfortability piece um I've had to do a lot of inner work of like challenging stereotypes that I learned growing up about mm -hmm. people of color mm -hmm. and 
again, not to say that I've arrived, but I've learned to unlearn the things that I learned. I've already unlearned some of the damaging ways of thinking, and I have to challenge those when I'm in spaces where I'm a minority. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder, like, even in those spaces, as a white woman, I'm not afraid of the police. I'm not afraid of, like, someone calling me something. Like, I know that's not your experience Mm -hmm. when you're in white spaces. So, I don't know. That's that's the, like, difference that comes to mind. Nope, and that is it for the first part of a two-part episode with Lens. I hope y'all were able to hear in this conversation the fact that we were still trying to understand each other. And to do that, it takes time, communication, humility, and honesty, especially when talking about race. You know, we grew up different, come from different backgrounds and cultures, and we learn different things. And that takes time to unlearn and it also takes time to relearn new habits on how we're going to do this thing together. This episode, like I mentioned, is one of two. And in the next, we spend some time discussing racial dynamics of our relationship a little bit more. And we also take some time to react to the sudden emergence of white allies in the faith community and what the future holds for us together. So go ahead and check that one out after this episode. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas, with music by the also talented Mr. Tony Deras. And if you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. would love to hear from you. And if you haven't already, you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram. Reach out to me on Instagram. would love, love, love to hear from you. It's RTWD Podcast. That's RTWD Podcast on Instagram. Till next time, y'all. Peace.